Hey everyone, I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com. <clears throat> Welcome to PNC's Talking Tobacco Live. So um, it's a crazy time of year for us because Father's Day is actually uh, our um, holiday season, as it were, um, where most companies do the bulk of their uh, their gift business at Christmas time. Uh, for us, it's Father's Day, um, and that's a tradition for a lot of people that goes way back. Uh, I know when I was a kid, I would um, I would go to the store with my mom, and um, when Father's Day came around, we would go to the supermarket and I knew what he smoked and I would um, I would pick out a can of tobacco uh, for my dad. So it was a tradition in our family. Heck, when I was a kid, when you went into a drugstore or a supermarket at Christmas time, they actually had cigarette cartons printed with holiday greetings so that people could just buy a carton of cigarettes and they always had a tag printed so you could just write on the tag to who it was going and who it was from and uh you know that that's gone uh, away and uh but uh, it's still a uh, Father's Day is still a big gift giving season for us. Um, a lot of people, I think, more in the pipe community. Um, I, I think it's it's more a tradition there. Uh, cigars, a little less so, and, and I think that has to do partially with. Uh, the difference between pipe tobacco and, and cigars in that um, most cigars do not have an added flavor and a lot of people find that aroma off-putting. Uh, whereas we pipe smokers, you know, the majority of us smoke aromatics so people have a pleasant and nostalgic reaction to uh, to smelling uh, a pipe. So, uh, in any case, it is our busy season. Um, it actually was our busy season going back about a month ago for the people in my department, meaning that all the deals have been selected, all the emails uh, have been set up, and I, um, this year, I wound up doing uh, a lot of the copywriting uh, for the emails. So it's been, uh, it, it had been very busy right now. The people who work for PNC who are busy are the ones in the warehouse. Um, they're, they're picking a lot of orders and getting them out. And, um, and I think uh, you're going to really want to pay attention to emails this month because I know that there are some really fantastic deals out there, um, that you're going to enjoy. So, uh, keep your eyes open. Uh, when you see an email from PNC, take a look at it because there are some deals that are going to make you want to jump on your phone or your, your laptop uh, so that you can take advantage. So hi to Sean and David. And, um, and David made the mention Christmas in June for Pipers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
And he said, uh, plus when you smoke a cigar, it's ash. When you smoke a pipe, you still have a pipe with memories. Very valid point. Uh, not one that I've thought much about, but, uh, but you, you have a very solid point. Um, Ed, glad, to, glad you jumped on board. Oh, you're in Italy. I, I did not, uh, I did not know that. Well, ciao to you as well. Um, I'm going to get over there someday, I swear. Uh, I have to go to take a look at the factories who are making pipes for us. And um, I, I really need to uh, make that trip. Of course, I, I took over uh, working with our private label pipes um just before the pandemic and uh, so for that reason you know i couldn't arrange travel or do any travel for that matter uh, but now that the worst is behind us um i will start uh, making the point that we really do need to go over there to see the operations maybe take some pictures and videos and that sort of thing. So uh, we'll, we'll look at that down the road. Uh, looking to see if you can find the Savinelli in the motherland, but haven't had much luck. Sadly, America still seems to be more pipe friendly than other places. Uh, might have to keep an eye on those emails you mentioned. Well, yes. Um, anything that'll save you a few bucks and get you what you want, that's a win-win. Um, Patrick, uh, good afternoon. Uh, Dad says, uh, usually uh, an Arkansas resident, but coasting around for the week. Thanks again for everything. Hope you make it to those factories. Christmas pipes galore. Um, not as many Christmas pipes this year, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why we we decided to hold off. Christmas pipes don't sell as well as you might think, um, and we found that to be true. No matter you know whether it's one of our brands or one of the big name brands, they just move slowly. In years past when uh, there would be a Savinelli or a Peterson Christmas pipe or any other brand. Uh, we would jump on it and we would grab uh, 50, 100. And three years later, we still have 20 of them sitting in stock. So we made a conscious decision to start rolling back the quantities because um, so we, we didn't want to get stuck with all those uh, Christmas pipes, and we started uh, cutting back on how many we ordered a few years ago. The problem with uh, coming up with a Christmas pipe of our own is that the factories have uh, minimum order quantities. Uh, in the business, they're just called MOQs. And some factories have very reasonable MOQs and some do not. But typically they want to see an order of at least 80 pipes. And if you do two shapes and two finishes, now you're ordering 320 pipes. And that's a lot harder to get rid of. We're looking into how we can do this in the future so that we don't have to order as many. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll revisit that. But I'm sure there'll be plenty of Christmas pipes out there. Uh, it just, they won't be uh, our brands this year. Uh, next year, that'll change. In fact, um, the plan uh, for next year is for Aaron Gobra to have a St. Patrick's Day pipe. And uh, we're going to do more of that sort of thing. 
but it's going to be a little while before we um, we have all of that figured out. So, uh, yeah, David says pipes in the floor showed. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, uh, to make it worse, when I'm at my desk at home, for the most part, um, I will take off the prosthesis just simply because, you know, as a practical matter, uh, most of us, I think, who, um, who wear one of these things, um, we leave it on all day. And, you know, we put it on when we get up, we take it off when we go to bed. Um, that seems to now be problematic for me and, and it's causing me discomfort. Um, and a couple of uh, small injuries because of it. And uh, so uh, I, I have an appointment to go in and have it looked at because I think they're going to have to make a new socket having lost uh, the weight that I've lost. Um, now it doesn't fit right, so I have to play around with things to get the fit proper. And um, it, it's just rare that I have a day where I put it on and start walking and I, I don't have some kind of uh, pain. And so when uh, that light tipped over and I had to write it, uh, I didn't have my leg on. So I kind of had to lean on the desk uh, to take care of everything. But um, regardless, uh, let's... Let's move on. And um, this week I'm going to uh, I'm going to talk uh, about what's going on on PNC rather than um, rather than doing the um, the uh, slides. Um, it's been. Um, It's been very difficult uh, today to get things done, and uh, so I will I will talk about what's going on, and so let's start off with um, our um, our tobacco feature, not the tobacco of the week, but our tobacco feature deal of the week, and that's Peterson's summer mix and match. So we all know about Peterson tobaccos, you know, for years. Um, we, we sold a lot of uh, things like Old Dublin and Sweet Killarney and uh, Sunset Breeze and all. Um, so it, it's, you know, they, they have a great collection and, and now they include the old Dunhill blends um, like Nightcap, My Mixture 965, and Early Morning Pipe, among others. Um, frankly, the one that uh, I, I was most happy that they kept um, was Royal Yacht. Yes, I know a lot of you refer to it as Royal Yuck. Uh, but it's it's kind of pleasant and it's got a good kick. So anyway, you can buy three tins right now for twenty nine ninety nine. That's a deal you're not going to want to pass up on. And a lot of you are Peterson fans, so here's a chance to get your favorites all at one time, save some money, and uh, keep those shelves stocked up. And then uh, we have our deals for dads. We have 60 items on sale starting at $3.99. So if you're looking for the Father's Day equivalent of stocking stuffers, you got it. Uh, take a look at our deals for dads and, and here's where you can get all the little tchotchkes and other things up to 87% off and uh, and it'll right in time for Father's Day. 
And now our pipe of the week is one that I absolutely love. Um, I, I have one. I smoke it regularly and it performs as well as any pipe that I have ever had. And that is the Viking Tor series. The Tor are reverse calabashes that sell for under a hundred bucks. Now you're not going to find that deal uh, anywhere else that I know of. Um, these pipes all uh, are rather chunky um, and the shanks are thick because they have to be. Um, there's a secondary chamber in the shank. So the smoke comes from the tobacco chamber into that secondary chamber and it cools down because it swirls around, doesn't immediately come through the bit. And um, it also will, as it swirls, leave some of the moisture behind in that secondary chamber. But because these pipes are relatively short and the shank is thick, um, they're great for clenching. And so um, they, they're just fantastic pipes. They're um, uh, in sandblast and smooth finishes. There are four shapes. And uh, I spoke to the factory and I believe we're going to add a fifth shape to the tour series. So looking forward to that. But right now they're $20 off. So you have a pipe that if you compare it to other factory made pipes that are reverse calabashes, they tend to be well over $100. And of course, if you get a, a, a reverse calabash uh, from an artisan, they're going to be even that much more. These start out under $100, take another 20 bucks off, got a heck of a deal. Um, David made the point that um, the folks who listen to this as a podcast won't have any idea about my little technical difficulty there. Uh, and that that is definitely true. It's one positive of the podcast side. Uh, also, we have John Cotton's uh, double press tobaccos this week at fourteen ninety nine. It's a really good deal. They are a bit more expensive than uh, some comparable ones, but none of them have the labor involved in them that uh, John Cotton's Double Press does. Uh, those tobaccos start out as flakes. Uh, the flakes uh, are then put into a tumbler to, to tumble the tobacco until it falls back apart into ribbons. And then the tobacco is allowed to breathe to allow oxygen to get into the tobacco, which kind of weights it up but also prepares it for a secondary fermentation. And that's what happens when we take that loose cut tobacco, put it in the press, put pressure on it. We're, we're creating another fermentation and the oxygen needs to be in there for that to be effective. Uh, anyway, uh, so because of that, that second pressing and fermentation, um, there's more time involved in making John Cotton's double pressed. Uh, but the results are worth the, the coin because um, those of you who have tried John Cotton's Virginia, I've had so many people um, uh, talk about um, the Virginia being a Virginia even that they like even though they don't normally smoke Virginias and and that's what that double pressing does it gets rid of a, a lot of the negatives from the tobaccos so anyway 
Um, how long does it take to make a batch of John Cotton's double pressed? Well, all right. Um, there's a day in the process initially when it is made into a flake. And then there's probably 24 hours in the press. So that takes two days. And then that tobacco has to be sliced and then tumbled out and then the tobacco has to be uh, packaged up uh, to be set aside for the second pressing and the tobacco has to be given at least a week uh, to allow the tobacco to aerate so that it can take on the oxygen uh, and then it spends most of a day again in the press. And then when it comes out, it has to rest uh, to cool down because if you try to cut the tobacco when it's hot, um, it will fall apart. So you gotta allow it to cool down just like you would with a, a beef roast. You know, you don't want to cut into it the second you take it out of the oven, all the juices run out. Uh, you got to let it rest and, and everything balances out. Same thing there. You got to let it cool down before you slice it. Then it gets packaged. So in actual work days, it's probably five or six days, but then you have that extra week uh, to allow the tobacco to take on air. Um, so, you know, it, it's close to a couple of weeks where with a, a typical aromatic blend, um, the tobaccos are cased and then, uh, run through a drying chamber and cut. And so that's one day. And then the next day, the tobaccos are combined and the uh, the flavoring is applied and one more or two more days is needed to allow the alcohol from the flavoring to flash off um so you know the aromatics may take three days um from start to finish where uh, the john cotton's double pressed is going to take uh, a couple of weeks so um, that's $14.99. Um, oh, David, man, about the lack of slides. Uh, I get it. Um, Dylan, uh, what's the price on what? What are you looking for the price on? If you can just drop that in there, I'll, I'll answer that for you. Um, okay, so moving on from John Cotton's Double Press, uh, Cascadia, you see I'm wearing the shirt today, Cascadia uh, Pipe Tobaccos uh, right now are on sale and the, the pipes and the knife, 25% uh, off. Uh, these are fantastic blends. Um, these are all uh, high-grade tobaccos um, and then pressed into bricks like you would for, for a flake. But instead of cutting it into a flake, they're cut into chunks and uh, packaged up. And th that is a plug. And so plug tobaccos give you the most freedom in how you're going to prepare it. Um, you can slice it thin, slice it thick. You can fold and stuff after you slice. You can rub it out. Um, you can stack up some, uh, some flakes as you slice them and then cross cut them and turn it into a cube cut. There's so many things you can do. And there are five different tobaccos with a variety of flavors and strengths. Um, so it, it's an intriguing line of tobaccos. And the Ponderosa pipe from Cascadia uh, 
sells like hotcakes because they're gorgeous pipes and they're incredibly well made. And then um, on top of that, there's the knife, which is a folding knife uh, without any serration and a thin enough blade at the business end um, to make it easier to slice plugs. That's why the knife exists. Um, it was it was created and uh, and brought to market by Cascadia for their customers um, who want a good knife for uh, plug tobaccos. So now we move on to this week's tobacco of the week. And that's Fusilier's Ration uh, from the Hearth and Home Marquee series. Um, anybody who has talked to me or read my stuff knows that, um, especially in my early years, I was a big fan of Bengal slices. Even though I was blending my own tobaccos, I kept going back to Bengal slices because I found the combination of the tobaccos and a top note that worked so beautifully with the Latakia and other tobaccos that it was something that, that I would, uh, I'd say I'd probably have at least a bowl a day, even though I was smoking other tobaccos too. And, um, and then when it got into the eighties, uh, it changed a bit, wasn't, quite as uh, as good as I remember and then uh, eventually wound up being made in Denmark and that was even further off the mark for me. So uh, I, um, I, I really loved that blend and so when I finally had the access to the tobaccos I wanted and I, I also uh, worked with a facility that could do what I asked. Um, I decided I was going to try to copy Bengal slices as close as I could get it because it's a tribute. It, unless I have the recipe, it's not a copy. It's, it's a tribute blend. But I think I, I had gotten fairly close. And so we marketed it as Hearth and Home Marquee Fusilier's Ration. And in the um, online advertising that we did prior to its release at the Richmond Pipe Show, um, we used the slogan, the revolution is coming. And um, when it hit, it did incredibly well and continues to be a very strong performer for us. Um, since then, I was actually asked to recreate Bengal slices. And because of that, I had access to more information. And that information allowed me to do... Um, an even more accurate uh, replication of the original. Um, people who smoke them side by side seem to have a preference one way or the other. Um, some people will stick with Bengal slices. Other people say that they prefer fuselier ration. Um, but if you like slightly aromatic, medium bodied um, Latakia blends, with an incredibly rich and bright flavor and a surprisingly pleasant aroma. Um, give yourself a, a bowl of Fuselier's Ration to check it out. It, it's, it's really uh, I, one of the blends I'm most proud of. So um, it's on sale this week, check it out. And then of course we have this month's monthly deal which is one pound bags of Lane Limited Tobacco at the regular price. But if you buy it 
um, buy any one pound bag, you can grab a Lane Limited ceramic tobacco jar with a bale closure, a nice thick silicone uh, ring to uh, stop the air movement in and out of the, the jar. Um, it's a $50 value with the, the Lane logo on the side. Gorgeous jar. And uh, you can get one of those for only 10 bucks when you uh, get a pound of tobacco. So a lot of you are regular Lane Limited fans. Um, so you're going to buy the tobacco anyway. Now you can add a jar for uh, really uh, pittance really, as things go. Um, Sean says his uh, three current plugs are uh, John Cotton Double Pressed Virginia, uh, Peterson Three Ps, and Cascadia Campsite. Great. It's fantastic. Thank you. Um, and David says Fuselers is a very enjoyable plant. I'm glad you think so. So, um, before I get into today's topic, I'll just bring something up now. Um, since October, uh, we have been without uh, a team member to um, do emails. So, um, our uh, business lead, who also uh, is responsible for putting the catalog together, which is a job I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, because all the deals have to be selected, the artwork has to be selected, um, and then there are proofs, and then you've got to make changes and, and everything. I I would not want to do the catalog anyway she would set up pick the deal set up the emails um and uh, then she would contact me and ask me to write the the copy for the emails and then i once i put that in um then they could set it up in the system and from there it's kind of automatic um but her having to do that and me having to do a part um, has made the process a little more difficult. And of course it adds onto our already full plates. Uh, we now have a new person to handle emails. His name is Kane. And um, we've gotten to know him over the past couple of weeks a uh, really uh, nice young guy and uh, he loves cigars and he's also into pipes and uh, so uh, this is neat for him because his cigar knowledge is pretty encyclopedic um, his pipe knowledge is good but it's it's still on the the newer uh, pipe smoker level. And so he has a lot of questions. And so we thought it would be a really neat idea once he gets his feet under him and, and starts doing the emails um, that once a month here, what we will do is instead of me doing this by myself from my house, what we're going to do is we are going to um, we are going to go to um, our old office building uh, because that's where we have our videography studio, and so he and I will go to the videography studio so we can sit together and smoke because we can still smoke in that building, uh, which I can't do here. Um, and we will, we will go over there and I'm going to, once we get past the, what's happening on PNC, uh, it's going to be a matter of, um, 
him coming up with questions and uh, he will steer the last half of the, uh, the, the program by asking me questions and then I'll do the best I can to answer those questions. Um, and we thought this was a neat idea for a few reasons. First off, we really want our team to, to be uh, exposed a little bit more for uh, all of you. We'd like you to meet our folks uh, in, in whatever ways we can. Uh, we've done that over the years by uh, featuring us in our catalogs. Um, this will be nice to, on, a, on a regular basis to have another staff member doing this with me. And, and I'm sure he will have questions that some of you have that you haven't asked and I haven't covered. And so um, a fresh pair of eyes, a new perspective um, can always open up uh, a topic of conversation. And so I'm really looking forward uh, to having him uh, do this with me. And so uh, I'll let you know when the first uh, iteration of the show with Kane will be, um, because I think you're really going to like uh, this this young guy. I, I was tempted to call him a kid, but it's not a kid. Um, and uh, and so, of course, when you're 66, uh, a lot of people are kids. Uh, so anyway, as it goes, so he will be joining us, and I'm I'm pumped for that. So um, so let's get on to today's topic, and that topic is how you should pack a pipe based on the type of tobacco that you're dealing with, and. One of the areas that even longtime pipe smokers struggle with is packing a pipe. Because even those of us who've been doing it for a long time will occasionally pack a pipe too hard and, and the tobacco's too tight, or we'll pack it too loose and then you're constantly tamping the tobacco to keep it lit it becomes even more challenging if the tobacco that you're going to pack is a different format than what you usually smoke. Um, because not everybody has those multiple techniques down. And, and so for that reason, um, the first thing I want to do is I want to touch on the general principles of packing a pipe and then we'll get into how to do it with the different types of tobacco. So the general principles for packing a pipe are no matter what method you use and there are hundreds, no matter what you try to use to, to pack your pipe. You have to have airflow. We've all overpacked or overtamped the pipe and wound up not being able to get a jar. So number one, there has to be airflow. There also has to be tobacco in the mix that's packed firmly enough that the tobacco stays lit. We normally talk about the three layer method, fill it up over the top, press it down to halfway, fill it up over the top, press it down to about two thirds, uh, fill it up over the top and then press it down like an eighth of an inch below the rim of the bowl. Uh, and if you do it that way, you have a loose lower layer 
a medium packed middle layer and a tightly packed top layer which again is important because you light you tamp and relight and then the tobacco should stay lit at least for a little while until you burn through that more tightly packed layer and that's when you need to tamp so you can push the ember down onto the unburned tobacco and to also compress that tobacco a bit to help it stay lit. And then as you tamp both that middle layer and the bottom layer, which is relatively loose, will become more and more compressed. And that's how you can light a pipe and keep it lit well. Um, in some methods, the tobacco is packed tightly around the outside of the chamber or the, the, the rim of the chamber and the center of the bowl is packed more loosely. So the idea there is you light the tobacco and the tobacco in the center that's not as tightly packed will ignite the tobacco from the center out and that's more tightly packed and it should stay that way a little bit better um, using the Frank method. Um, and sometime we'll do something showing the Frank method with one exception. The last step of the Frank method uh, I absolutely uh, deplore. Um, the, the gentleman who created is Ockham Frank, and he's a pipe vendor over in Europe, and he came up with this method. Uh, I've tried it, and it smokes very well. I think, for me, it's too involved. I don't want to spend that much time packing a pipe. Uh, I have reached the, uh, the scoop method for packing a pipe. Uh, which tends to be what happens after decades of, uh, of pipe smoking. You know, you used to feed the tobacco in and press it and feed it and press it and all. Um, now, you know, with the years I have behind me, I can just put the bowl down into the tobacco feed it in with my index finger and I can feel how tight it is as I'm pushing it in. And, and so I can pack a bowl pretty quickly. Um, but uh, if, you're, if you're not at that point, you may be looking for a different method for packing your pipes. But before we talk about any other methods, and, and when we do that, it will be in a different uh, episode. Um, you have to know how to treat the different cuts of tobacco. So a ribbon cut, you pretty much pack according to what the, the method that you prefer is. Um, you can do the Frank method. You can, you can do the three-layer method. You can do the swirl method. Um, with ribbons because they're pretty easy to work with. And uh, a ribbon cut tobacco is a tobacco that ranges from about an eighth of an inch wide to, um, to about a quarter of an inch wide, although the quarter of an inch are outliers. They're normally uh, an eighth of an inch. Um, maybe three sixteenths, uh, but that's, um, that's, that's what we, uh, you know, we, we deal with typically. Um, they use eighth inch and often a, a sixth of an inch. Um, that's, and it's coded uh, so that when they create the blend, the, the last digit, tells you how wide it is. If it's a dash four, it means it's quarter inch wide. If a dash six is a sixth, 
and dash eight is an eighth of an inch. But that's what ribbon tobaccos are. And they, they generally, the ribbons tend to be maybe an inch or so long. Um, they're relatively simple to pack and, and you can use pretty much any method for it. But what about other types of tobacco? Well, if you take a ribbon tobacco and you go to the narrow extreme, um, what you're talking about there is a um, shag cut. Uh, a shag is like a sixteenth of an inch. And um, depending on what it's used for, it will be a varying length. If it's meant for pipes, it'll be relatively short. Um, but a lot of shag tobaccos are meant for hand rolling cigarettes. And when they do it for that, they tend to cut very long strings of tobacco. Um, in, instead of um, cross-cutting, which would produce a shorter, um, a shorter uh, strand, they cut the long way when they do uh, hand roll shags so that it, these strings are the length of a leaf. And um, the reason that they do that is because if you're hand rolling tobacco and you grab a pinch of that really stringy shag, it's all clumped. It's tangled and, nest, and nested, I'm sorry. Um, and that makes it easier because if you're not using the machine, you can just have your paper in half and you can drop it down in there all in one piece rather than dropping in bits of tobacco along the way. So it's easy to pull out enough and just lay it in there, stretch it out to the proper length, and then you can just roll the cigarette and go. But for pipes, we don't, we don't need that kind of length. So uh, a pipe shag cut is normally uh, the same length as a regular ribbon, but it's a sixteenth of an inch uh, or so in in uh, in width. For this, you have to pack tightly. You have to be very very firm with shag cuts. Otherwise, they're going to burn up in no time. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of enjoyment out of it because it's going to burn relatively hot. Um, and you're going to tamp a lot more than you normally would. Uh, I have a shag that I smoke on a regular basis. And even though I do pack it very tightly, um, I still tamp more often than I do when I'm smoking a ribbon or a flake or, or anything else. Um, so that gets complicated. And, uh, and that's probably part of the reason why shags aren't as popular as they once were. Uh, because they do take a little bit more maintenance while you're smoking the pipe. In any case, that's how you handle a ribbon. But what do you do for flakes? Well, the fold and stuff method is probably the most prominent. And that is that you fold the, the flake in half and then you just stuff it into your pipe. And then you compress it once it's in the chamber. And then once you've got enough tobacco in there, you take a flake or maybe the, the stuff that's in the bottom of the tin, all that small, fine, loose tobacco, and you pile that up on top and press it and tamp it before you light because you need that. It's the same idea as tinder when you're building a fire. You know, you start with something like, um, you can use sawdust, you can use, believe it or not, steel wool. 
you can use cotton or uh, newspaper, but you need something that burns readily to get the fire started. Then use the smaller wood to get the fire going, that's kindling, and then finally you, you put your logs on. Well, the same idea uh, applies uh, applies here. Um, you need to have some kind of, of kindling or, or tinder on the top of the bowl to get a, 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 a flake started. Um, Patrick says that's true with GLP's penny farthing, which is a shag cut. Yes, yes, good example. Um, but when you're going to use the fold and stuff method with a flake or a slice off a plug, um, there's one thing that I recommend, and I would say the majority of pipe smokers don't do this. They do the opposite. And this may be where some people's packing problems with flakes might come in. If you're going to try to fold in stuff, when you fold it, don't put the folded end in the chamber first. Put the folded end on top. Why? Because when you put the folded end down, that flake can kind of take the shape of the bowl and wind up blocking the airway. If you do it the other way so that the folded part is on the top, now you've created an airspace down in there. And then as you pack the tobacco down, that fold on top will spread and it will light more easily. So if you're folding and stuffing, put the fold on top. And then after you get a couple of flakes in there, that's when you start kind of massaging the tobacco, pressing it down. Uh, to make more room. And then you should check the airflow as you're pressing it down. And then when you get to the point where you add that loose tobacco on the top, you can just tamp light and you should be good until you get to the burning flake. Once the flake starts burning, you're going to need to do a little more housekeeping. You'll have to tamp a little more often because the burn's going to be somewhat irregular um, just because it's compressed tobacco. And, and so that's uh, something you have to pay attention to. If you're going to fully rub it out, when you rub it out, you can use whatever normal ribbon packing method you use, and that will be fine. And of course, this also applies to spun cuts, um, less so for ropes. Um, ropes, the coins tend to be smaller. Um, I tend to kind of just wad them up uh, before I put them in the pipe. Uh, that method seems to work best for me if I'm talking about slices off a rope. Um, but spun cuts and flakes, that's what I do. I fold them and always put the folded end on top so that I don't create a bad draw. And then the final one that, that's different that, that I want to talk about is the simplest one, and that's a cube cut. Um, you know, there's Peter Stokeby cube cut, which is Burley and Virginia. Then you have um, a white cube burley that's sold by, um, by Saltliff. And then there's a cube burley, I believe, produced by Cornell and Deal. Um, there's not a lot of cube cuts out there anymore. Um, but they're the easiest to pack. Now, for those of you who like cube cuts, uh, but you can't seem to find a tobacco that's cube cut that you enjoy, 
if you have a flake or a plug that you enjoy, um, your answer is relatively simple. It'll take a little work, but it's simple. And that is you have your flakes and you keep them together in a stack and, and put them on your cutting surface. And then you take um, a sharp, non-serrated knife uh, and then you go down, you, you turn the flakes sideways so that they're longer you know, width-wise. And then you start going in about the thickness of the flake and you start slicing down on the stack until they fall into smaller pieces. Once they're in smaller pieces, all you have to do to turn it into a cube is just kind of pull it apart. And that those stacked tobaccos will turn into cubes. Uh, wasn't uh, Kentucky Club a cube cut? It was at least partially a cube cut. Um, it, it had some perique in it, I believe. And um, the perique was not cube cut, but... Uh, the burleys that were in the blend, I'm pretty sure, were cube cut. At least originally. I don't know about later years because a lot of factories moved away from cube cuts. So now here's the complicated method for properly packing a cube cut. Take your pipe. Take the tobacco in your hand. Feed it into the chamber. Let it get slightly above the chamber. Press it down with your thumb or tamper. Light the pipe and smoke it. I know it's really complicated. If you want me to repeat it so you have time to write it down, uh, I'll be glad to do it or you can go back and, and watch this again later on on Facebook. Um, but yeah, that's the complicated uh, cube cut method, which is why there are a number of blends that I will do that with um, that are flakes. I, I will cut them up and, and turn them into a cube uh, because it's so easy, but yet because the tobacco is still compressed, you get a long smoke out of a bowl of cube cut tobacco, even if you're not tamping it down very hard. Because as you smoke, and this is what you got to watch out for with cube cuts, you got to make sure before you light it that you, you've got it down a good amount below the rim. Uh, I would press it down more than you would for a ribbon cut or a flake. The reason being, this is compressed tobacco, and as it burns, it's going to delaminate, and so it's going to puff up. And so if you bring it right to the top of the chamber and light it up, you're going to have ash sticking up above the top of the chamber. Um, so give yourself a little room in the top because the tobacco is going to puff up. Um, David Ellsworth said cube. I assume you mean McBaron cube. Um, but yeah, there's, um, there's a number of different cuts, a number of different methods, and uh, it always works best when you can adapt things um, as needed. And so uh, that's something about how to pack different cuts of tobacco in a pipe. And uh, that pretty well wraps it up. Of course, those of you who um, watch this regularly know that we're now available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also share this live stream. There's a button on the, uh, on the screen for you uh, if you want to connect with someone else so you can watch the live stream together. You can do that. And um, you can go to... Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and a number of other uh, outlets to listen to PNC's Talking Tobacco. Um, and uh, so you can listen in your car. Uh, 
And of course, it's a wonderful thing to listen to while you're uh, lounging on the beach uh, during the summer uh, with a pina colada. Uh, so anyway, you can get us uh, on the go, as it were. And so uh, I thank you for uh, tuning in this week. If you're watching this on delay, your comments are still valuable. Please uh, drop them into the comment section and I will answer your questions or respond to you if that's what you need. Uh, anyway, I'm Russ Willett from PipesAndCigars.com. Thanks for watching.